Giant naked guy. Ancient tools and burials, plants and seeds, Neanderthals. All these things we make no apology, are the study of archaeology. But we don't do dinosaurs, no we don't You're listening do to the Archaeological Fantasies Podcast, a critical examination of the world of pseudo-archaeology and the misrepresentation of archaeology in the world today. Each episode, we focus the lens of archaeology on a topic and discuss reality versus fantasy. We've covered everything from ancient aliens to crystal skulls, from DNA to modern fakes. Join us for our discussion this week and get ready to think critically. Digging in a trench, monuments, going to the pub when the day is spent. Hey everybody, welcome to the Archaeology Fantasies podcast. We talk about the hot topics in today's fringe archaeology and alternative history from a critical point of view. I'm your host, Sarah, with my co-host, Kenneth Bader. This is episode three, where we talk about the media's portrayal of fringe archaeology Ken's brush with movie fame and giants. Get ready to think critically. Digging in a trench, monuments, going to the pub when the day is spent. Funny beady blokes you will see are a staple of archaeology. Well, welcome everybody back to the podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sarah, and my co host, Ken Fader. Great to be here, Sarah. Good to see you. How's the weather up there? Is it still crappy like it was last time? Well, the weird thing today, it was, it, it's actually getting better. This nor'easter that we had that started off with ice and then became rain. It rained and it was just, the, the rivers are incredibly high. Um, and then to, last night and today, it was snowing mo- much of the day, but it was warm enough that the snow all melted off. We didn't get any accumulation. It, was, it wasn't a real big hassle with roads, but but the I live in a forested area up in here in northwestern Connecticut, and it's just gorgeous. All the the, um, the conifers are just coated with snow. It looks like a, a Courier and Ives postcard. It's really okay, quite I- pretty. Now you're just bragging. Hey, listen, what can I tell you? You know, it's, it's just it's beautiful. Um, and the roads are OK. So so the students cannot say, oh, we can't make the final because the roads are bad. And now the roads are fine. <laughs> my, my favorite is when they tell me they couldn't come to class and I ask, well, how far was your drive? And they said, oh, no, I live on campus, but they didn't want to walk across campus. I said, you know, you can walk across campus in the snow. It's really OK. Yeah, it's, it's OK. You can survive that. OK, well, today. We are going to talk about um, basically how the media treats um, how the media treats pseudo archaeology. I sure. thought we'd touch on uh, History Channel because they have a variety of shows. Uh, but you have had some personal experiences with this kind of thing. Um, can you talk yeah. a little bit about the uh, the movie you were in and uh, how you handled that situation? Well, the, the cool thing there, Sarah, is that I complained so much that it was the movie that I was not in. Although a bunch of my colleagues were, I was interviewed. Um, but before I even get into that, I just want, here's what I, I want to preface this with something, because um, we are going to be talking about a lot of it's going to be talking about cable TV, because that's they seem to be some of the worst of the offenders when it comes to you know pseudo archaeology. But I remember years and years ago reading um, a, a little essay about that was written about television when it first got started. I mean, we're talking about television in the 1940s. Right. Um, and people were asking, well, you know, what do you think the major focus of television. So what's what's at the heart of television? What's its purpose? What is what is the fundamental reason television exists? And 
the people were talking about, well, there's entertainment, there's sports, there's news, there's the weather, there's, there's uh, uh, information, there's science programs. But, but bottom line, this cynic responded, the fundamental reason for the existence of television is to sell laundry detergent. And that was, soap operas. it was a metaphor for, you know what, the bottom line here is that the, is that the, the business model that we have here in America for commercial television and, you know, welcome to capitalism is they want eyes in front of the TV screen. They want big numbers so they can charge other people a lot of money to advertise their products. Television is the, the engine that drives television is advertising, is selling stuff. And that the bottom line here, and we can't be naive about it, is that as good as some TV is, or wonderful actors and terrific directors and writers and interesting shows, but as good as it is, the bottom line is the if if they can't sell laundry detergent, the show doesn't get made. It doesn't let or it doesn't last on the air. And as long as there are sets of eyes watching those screens, no matter how dumb you and I might think those shows are, no matter how uh, how fake the stuff is ultimately it doesn't make a whole lot of difference to the people holding the purse strings because as long as you can show that there are big numbers and they can sell advertising time that's what it's all about so there are lots of their shows we'll be talking about today i'm sure that it would seem that any rational person watching would say well wait a minute that's that's that doesn't sound legitimate but as long as people are willing to watch it um those shows will remain on the air and that and our responsibility as archaeologists is to to point out to people that may be entertaining. There may be a lot of people who want to see that stuff, but here's why we think it is harmful for people to have these very gross distortions thrown at them about the, the past. And that that leads me to the story that you, we opened up with. Um, several years ago, I was at a conference in Ohio, in fact, at the Johnson Hummerkhaus Museum. It's a wonderful little museum in Ohio. And I was there with a number of people, a number of colleagues, including Brad Lepper, um, archaeologist in Ohio, who's at the Ohio Historical Society, brilliant guy, wonderful archaeologist, Terry Barnhart, who is um, a historian, was involved in this as well, and a number of other people. While we were there, kind of blindsided, each one of us individually got a phone call from a, a television documentary producer. That's how they presented themselves. Right. And the way they presented themselves was really quite interesting, at least to me, when I asked them, well, what are you going to be talking about? What, what's, what, why do you need us? And they said, we want to do a video because we feel that Native American culture has been ignored for too long in popular media. Well, that, okay, that sounds really good. And they said, in fact, our our video is going to be all about the lost civilizations of America. Now, I've got to tell you, when I hear lost civilizations, that's yeah. a code word as far as I'm concerned. That usually means Atlantis or something like Atlantis because it's the lost continent, right? right. And, and we've all heard this before. Those of us who've done archaeology in, in, in the North America, we know that lost civilization tends to mean ascribing what we know to be Native American sites to some other group of people, some mysterious right. group who came here. For, and they're, they're a lost civilization, but they built the mounds or they built the large structures in the Southwest. So it's not really Indians. It's somebody else's lost civilization. Right. So I brought that up to these people. I actually said, do you mean like Atlantis? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We're talking about something real. And I, I think all of us in archaeology, there's so little good archaeology on TV that when we're approached by somebody who says, hey, look, this, this is something that's going to be really positive. We right. want to help. We want to be involved. 
And so I was interviewed. Brad Lepper was interviewed. Um, Terry Barnhart was, again, a historian. Deborah Bolnick, who's a biological anthropologist, was interviewed. And that's a, and oh, and Sonia Attale, who is an anthropologist who also happens to be a Native American. Right. Um, they also interviewed uh, Alice Kehoe and a number of other people. Um, we were sent, to the credit of the producers, we were sent a, 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 a pre publication production DVD of what the show was going to be. And we were all absolutely appalled because essentially what the DD was. Now you was, got the, now hang on. You got this DVD after you all had been interviewed and after the show had been recorded. It, it, right. In other words, we had been interviewed. All right. And now they're working on the edit. This was like a first edit before it was released to the public. Okay. So these guys were being honest and saying, Hey, listen, this is what we're, what we put together. We'd like your feedback. And we began talking amongst each other, you know, via email saying, Oh my God, did you see this? Right. This is absolutely bizarre because fundamentally what it's, it's underlying theme was that the mounds of Ohio had been built by um, interlopers from Israel 2000 right. years ago, that ancient Israelis, uh, lost tribes of Israel or something like that, had arrived in North America, had come to Ohio and had started building mounds and leaving inscriptions in Paleo-Hebrew behind. Now, right. the thing is, what, it was very clever edits that they performed. So it made it sound like, now, Brad Lepper, um, is a good friend of mine and a colleague, and he has written more extensively about some fake artifacts called the Newark Holy Stones. He's written about this more than anybody else has. Right. And the Newark Holy Stones were were featured prominently in the video. You know, they never asked Brad, well, so what do you think about the Newark Holy Stones? They ignored that entirely. But the the reason for the the, the reason why they interviewed professional archaeologists, is what they wanted from us, and we gave it to them naively, was an agreement that, yeah, you know, there were a lot of European settlers in America in the 18th and 19th centuries who denied that the native people had been responsible for the mounds. The whole um, uh, mound builder myth, this mysterious group of folks who were not Native Americans who ostensibly had built the mounds, uh, that's, that's on the European settlers, colonists, um, travelers through the American Midwest who simply, for fundamentally what were racist reasons, denied that Native Americans had been responsible. So somehow in the video, they managed to, sh they they believed that by, by archaeologists today denying that a great civilization, i.e. people from the Middle East, had built the mounds, that in fact, the standard conservative traditional archaeological interpretation that we had was the same as what people had been saying back in the 19th century. So it was this weird uh, intellectual leap that here we are, archaeologists, who will will give you uh, the gospel about the Native American responsibility for these wonderful archaeological sites and the, the enormous sophistication of their civilization. But somehow that was being interpreted as us denying that Native Americans were responsible for the mounds. It was really very peculiar. And the way that they edited it, the way that they cut it, really sounded... Um, I'll give you the, the no. I ended up not being in the video, but right. the worst part of it for me was all right. They asked me about well, what kind of evidence would you need to prove that 
people from someplace outside of North America actually got here before Columbus? And I said, well, that's that's actually a really interesting question, because in fact, archaeologists today absolutely will confirm that. And I gave them the whole story of Lonso Meadow, the Norse site in Newfoundland that dates to 500 years before Columbus. Right. And I, I tried in that to explain, this is the kind of evidence we would need. You look at that 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 five hundred year old site, and you've got radiocarbon dates that date to the right period of the the sagas, the the written documents that the 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 Norse, um, the things that they recorded about this trip west of Greenland. So we have charcoal, we have we have structures, house remains that look like. Norse house remains. We have an iron smithy. We have brass, bronze artifacts. We have iron artifacts. So you have this, we have a soapstone spindle whorl. You have a ring-headed bronze pin. You have all these artifacts in stratigraphic contact from a date that's about 1,000, 81,000. And very clearly, this is Norse. This is the kind of evidence you'd expect. My point was, if, if ancient tribes of Israel arrived in Ohio, 2,000 years ago, we would have more than simply a couple of enigmatic artifacts with Hebrew on them. We would right. have whole communities, villages of people. If people are building mounds, I mean, there have to be a lot of them. They have to be in one place for a long time. And the archaeological record would show that. They, in the original edit, with me in it, they had it, the, the point of my testimony was to show how, well, if the Norse could do it, if it clearly we've broken that Columbus um, stranglehold on who discovered America, well, then why why stop at the Norse? Why not Phoenicians or Celts or lost tribes of Israel? So they, we have no went, evidence. Yeah, and, and see, that was, it was, they were using this as a case study, just, yes, it did happen one time, and then ignoring the evidence that we required in order to accept that scenario, right. um, which was very bizarre. And again, one of the things that I said when I was being interviewed that that I thought was important, but that of course didn't end up in the final final movie, was that that very often people accuse archaeologists of being not just skeptics but cynics. We don't just we we are we are doubters and naysayers, and we will never change our previously held conceptions. And what I told to these guys, I said, look. Um, we're archaeologists, and so when don't be surprised when archaeologists say, "Yeah, written documents are nice, but we want hard physical evidence." That's what that's our stock and trade. The gold right. standard for any archaeologist in saying those people from over there came over here is where's their stuff? Where's right. the stuff that's diagnostically theirs? Doesn't belong to anybody else. It's theirs. It's it's material made from from their area in a style that reflects their culture, and on and on. And so the point I was making was until the early 1960s, when Einstein, Ingstadt, and Helge Ingstadt, Ingstadt actually found physical evidence in Newfoundland, you're damn right. Archaeologists were skeptical about taking the, the Norse sagas literally. That didn't mean we were wrong to be skeptical. It meant, listen, we're going to be skeptics until physical evidence is forthcoming. As soon as that physical evidence was forthcoming, archaeologists all said, that's awesome. That's great. You yeah. now have proven that the sagas are legit. Nobody, nobody jumped off of a building, you know, out of a building. <laughs> nobody killed themselves. Nobody became manically depressed. Nobody was institutionalized. We all said, wow, that's 
fabulous because that's exactly yeah. what we need. You it know, the was. same thing is true in virtually any other case where archaeologists or historians say, you know, we're kind of skeptical about that. But then when the definitive diagnostic evidence is brought forth, oh, yeah, okay. Anyway, so what happened with the legend, the, um, the, uh, the lost civilizations of North America is that what Brad, Brad and all of us actually working together posted a disclaimer on um, the uh, Ohio Historical Society's website saying, hey, look, everybody, we're in this show. And if you were to watch this show not terribly carefully, it would sound like we were providing confirming evidence, confirming testimony to the basic claim that, you know what, people from somewhere else came to North America in antiquity and built these mounds. And we were saying that we, we absolutely d disagree. We don't accept that. Um, so we, did, we wrote a disclaimer. Um, I know that Alice Kehoe wrote uh, a short piece that was published saying, hey, listen, you guys have completely misrepresented what we were saying. And then uh, Brad and Terry and uh, Deborah Bolnick and I actually wrote a three-part article for the Skeptical Inquirer where we talked about just sort of the general issues of of trying to deny that Native Americans were responsible for the mounds and putting it in historical context. Um, Brad uh, was the primary uh, author of an article about newer Coley stones and other artifacts that supposedly have old world scripts that date to the, to, you know, to antiquity. And then Deborah wrote her piece about the DNA analysis. She's done uh, amazing work on uh, Native American DNA right. and, and has you know shown very clearly that the DNA found in the skeletal remains of Native Americans all is traceable to East Northeast Asia and not Southwest Asia and not um, Israel or Lebanon or Jordan. And right. so, so he wrote those pieces out. My favorite part about the the uh, the uh, lost civilizations of North America is that that the video was highlighted in an episode of one of the Glenn Beck's show where Glenn Beck was showing pieces of the video and saying, why has this been hidden from us? Why have I never heard of this? Jews in Ohio 2000 years ago. Digging in a trench, monuments, going to the pub when the We hope you're enjoying spent. this episode. Please be sure to check out the show notes at www.archiefantasies.com for further information about our hosts, guests, and topics in this episode. This podcast is listener-supported, and we appreciate every donation, either in the time it takes you to rate and share this episode, or monetarily on Patreon and Kofi. You can connect with us on the blog, by email, or on Twitter, thanks to all of our supporters. And let's get back to the show. Dinosaurs, raise your trials as one will call. No, we don't do dinosaurs. My, one of my favorite stories about that, about the, the newer Coley Stones, is that uh, recently I was in uh, front of a committee on my campus um, and uh, applying for a sabbatical, and I'm talking about some of these fake uh, inscriptions found primarily in the 19th century. And I actually have in my hand a, a, a replica of one of the newer Coley stones. It looks kind of like a plum bob, and it's got Hebrew writing. I mean, I recognize it as Hebrew writing on, on, on four sides of it. And uh, I passed it around to this committee, and one of the people on the committee is an Orthodox Jew who knows Hebrew. Right. And 
And, I, and he said, well, what is this exactly? And I said, well, this is supposed to be an object from 2,000 years ago left by Jews in Ohio. And he said, 2,000 years ago? I said, yes. And he looked at it and he said, but this is the wrong kind of Hebrew. This is modern Hebrew. So here's a guy who has, knows nothing, not no prompting, nothing at all, uh, you know, no fore, uh, foreknowledge about this, this, this artifact, but immediately diagnoses it as a fake because it's, it's Hebrew that only was developed like a couple of hundred years ago. I said, yeah, well, that's exactly the kind of problem that we have. So tell me how, because I know that, I mean, you said kind of offhandedly that you complained enough that they took you out of the video. Right. But when my professor explained it to me, apparently you almost, you had to like threaten legal action to get out of the video. So what exactly, what process did you end up having to go through to have them edit you out? Ultimately, I did not, uh, I didn't have to bring up a, a lawsuit or an attorney at all. Uh, the person who had the most the, the greatest number of problems was Deborah Bolnick, who actually brought the, a copy of this to her on-campus attorney because, you know, she's not, I'm, I'm tenured full professor, so I'm bulletproof, but she's not. And she was very much concerned that anybody seeing this video would think that somehow she had kind of lost her marbles and was supporting something that clearly had no, uh, there was no evidentiary basis for. So she's the one who I think had the, who actually threatened um, or at least brought up the possibility that she would in, uh, engage in legal action. Um, I, if I remember correctly, Deborah's one of Deborah's major problems was, and this this happens when you do videos when you when you're interviewed for for uh, documentaries. Um, they may interview you for three hours, and five minutes of it ends up on the in the video. Right. And when they edited her stuff, Deborah was convinced that they had sort of reversed questions and answers. So uh -huh. if, if she said yes to an answer, and that was her legitimate answer, and said no to something else, that what showed up on the video sounded like she was saying no or saying yes to a question that she actually answered no to. And so that that was kind of the biggest issue. And I guess that they, they dealt with that, and they claimed that there was it was all a misunderstanding uh, and that they didn't come with any preconceived notions. Now, what we found out later on was that the people involved in the video were, in fact, um, a, 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 what, what some Mormons have explained to me as kind of a fringe sect of Mormons. So that a lot of what you saw in that video, which is why Glenn Beck embraced it, was, in fact, a kind of literal interpretation of the Book of Mormon that most Mormons do not adhere to, but that some do. And so... I, some of the the, uh, the the responses that we got to our articles and to our our posting, our disclaimer posting, some of the strongest support we got was from mainstream Mormons who said, "Yeah, these guys are crazy." Yeah. Okay. So, so did they pull her interviews, or did they just adjust her interviews? They adjusted her interviews. Now they pulled you completely. They pulled me completely, and you know, I I, I never found out. I was grateful that they did, um, and was never quite certain why they did. But I think that that ultimately there just was no way they could. And, I, and this is just this wasn't because I was smarter than anybody else. It's just that the things they asked me to comment on, they could not so misrepresent that. That, that they could use my material. Although they tried, it just it just wasn't working for them. That's the only interpretation that I have. That they just it my stuff just didn't work according to their their overall view. But but when, but they could interview Brad Lepper talking about the amazing Octagon Earthworks and use that as see 
people don't don't know about these sites because there's this conspiracy of silence. And yet even a professional archaeologist admits that these were spectacular places. One of the funniest parts about this, Sarah, was mm-hmm. that one of the underlying themes was that the archaeological community has uh, has engaged in a conspiracy to keep it quiet that um, that that people in the new world in antiquity had enormous urban settlements like Cahokia or spectacular mound sites like Serpent Mound or like Mound City and so that we're that that they were in this video blowing the lid off man they were exposing this to light where us archaeologists of course have been trying to hide it and i thought that was hilarious when you and i I did a at some point i did a little bit of a survey and just like in the american midwest alone there are like 80 mound sites open to the public many of them with museums um you get a a site like cahokia cahokia has a state-of-the-art museum and the last i looked their um, attendance in a given year is over 300,000 people. Right. We're not, we're doing a pretty lousy job of trying to keep it quiet. If we build museums and encourage people to come and we get 300,000 visitors, how is that? How does that fit some kind of a theory of a conspiracy to keep it all quiet? It was just kind of absurd on its face. Now, yeah. one of the things that that all of us will admit, all archaeologists will admit, is that you know what? Not enough people are aware of the spectacular uh, technological, engineering, scientific, mathematical achievements of Native Americans, of American Indians. Too many people, if you, if you say American Indian, if you say Indian, the Im- immediate image they have in their minds is of a nomadic, primitive people living in teepees and, and hunting buffalo. And yeah, there were some people who lived in teepees and hunted buffalo, but that that is a huge variety and diversity of cultures. North America has as the, had aboriginally as diverse uh, a, a, uh, an array of cultures as any other continent in the world, and um, and more people need to know about that. Um, and it's unfortunate that we don't. But that's that's on us. Archaeologists working maybe with cable TV should get out there and spread the word of this amazing and spectacular um, archaeological heritage that we find right here in America and it has nothing to do with ancient aliens. It has nothing to do with Templar Knights. It has nothing to do with ancient Israelites or Phoenicians or Celts or Romans or Egyptians. It has everything to do with native Americans working this stuff out on their own without help from, you know, the, a peace corps or whatever it is you want to call it. Right. Um, so, so, and that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's really important. The, the, my funny story is when I first, when I, when I was an undergraduate, I actually did a, a, a term paper about Cahokia. I'd never heard of it before. This is, Cahokia is this amazing site um, in Illinois, east side of the Mississippi River, um, nearby St. Louis in, I think it's Collinsville, Illinois. And it's a, this site may have had a population of over 10,000 people. There are 200 mounds. Monk's Mound, which is the largest um, um, earthwork in North America, is by volume the fifth largest pyramid in the world. That includes all the pyramids in Egypt and Mesoamerica. So it's a huge communal piece of work by a large coordinated workforce 
Um, these people were agricultural. They were sedentary. They traded over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of raw materials. So these guys are a sophisticated, enormously um, de- well-developed, uh, highly developed civilization. The right. Civilization is the only word we can use for it. And what well, I they saw- were massive. So yeah, I mean exactly. Yeah. Uh, the what- rec- the numbers I've seen is there were more people living in Cahokia than there is in modern Paris. So uh, you know, that's. It is one at the time. It was one of the largest settlements in the world. Um, when you look at the, the oldest cities, the places that are that are defined as urban settlements in the Middle East, these are places mentioned in the Bible. So you have Ur and Uruk and Eridu, the the kind of the cutoff point for population size, where archaeologists and historical geographers and cultural geographers will say that's a city is about ten thousand people. So the, when, we, when we look at the Middle East, we say, wow, that's a city. There's 10,000 people. Well, guess what? A.D. 1400 in what today is Collinsville, Illinois, there was a city. It was a Native American city. The first time I saw it, though, Sarah, I was, I was at a, a, a Society for American Archaeology conference, and I was a grad student. And I thought, oh, this is so great. It was in St. Louis, so I was you know, within spitting distance of Cahokia. And I went downstairs to the lobby to ask you know, the guy behind the desk, how, how do I get to Cahokia? He had no idea what to stop. None. I yeah. Said, What's that, sir? And I said, Cahokia, you know, the big Indian site. And he looked at me like I was demented. And he said, oh, sir, there haven't been any Indians around here for years. Well, so, and it, that's, that's kind of amazing. You can see Monk's Mound from the interstate. Like, you, you will yeah. drive past it. You can't miss it. It's massive. Well, and you know, the, the interstate is practically right next to it, too. So Right, right. You know. Yeah, when I was there, when I actually took a bus to Cahokia, and even the bus driver, he said, oh, where those big hills are? He said, he just thought, well, they're just kind of hills. I said, no, no, man, those are pyramids of Earth. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. But it's a great place. I encourage everybody, if you know, you get a chance to see Cahokia, come away amazed because of not just the large structures all over the place, you know, the large uh, mounds, but the, the artifacts that have been excavated at Cahokia and are there in their museum – just absolutely astonishing stuff. Okay, so so that's your story with dealing with the uh, what was the name of the video? One more time. It is the Lost Civilizations of North America. Lost Civilizations of North America, and I'm pretty sure I can find a link to it because we we got a link when I was in class. Yeah, you definitely um, can. And they, I think they're still. I don't believe. I think what happened was they were doing this on spec. So in other words, they the the producers of this I don't think had a contract with a cable network to show no. this. So they did it on spec. They they farmed it out. I don't know if the controversy prevented them from actually selling it. But then, so what they ended up doing was just selling it on their own, the DVDs. And you know, when you get when you get somebody like Glenn Beck, who's got a a huge following, and you get Glenn Beck highlighting it and saying everybody should know about this, I imagine they sold quite a few of them. But I don't know. Well, it's it's out there, and it's it's honestly worth a watch because it's a very interesting. Uh, not being a person who was interviewed for it, being a person who was watching it. Right. It's a very interesting video because it's kind of insidious. It starts off very yes. academic, very factual, or at least presenting itself very factual. And then it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like looking at a surrealist painting. You know, you just suddenly start noticing little things that are off and then it just all tumbles from there. And then by the, the time you get to the second half of the video, I mean, they are way off in left field. But the first half of that video can be kind of confusing if you don't know what you're listening to and you, you know and I, we watch it in a room full of uh graduate archaeologists mm-hmm. so we're all right. like oh god really what is this about 
Right. And then it got to the genetics part, which none of us are aware of. And it's so over the top. It's so over everyone's head. I mean, I had to Google half the stuff they were talking about. And I was like, no, this isn't what, and even the Google had a hard time, but like Google's not a geneticist. So, you know, you can't always rely on it. But even that was enough to tell you that what they were trying to claim and prove completely out out there. Yeah, I, I highly recommend anybody who's listened to this podcast, if you're interested in the deconstruction of the video, you can find the three articles that were written by Brad Lepper, Deb Bolnick, Terry Barnhart, and me. You can find them for, you know, download them for nothing on the, the website of the Skeptical Inquirer. That's yeah. Inquirer with an I. And if you look around for the Lost Civilizations or use, just type in my name, Fader, F-E-D-E-R, you'll find those. And the, the third of the articles, we're talking about the DNA, Deborah Bolnick, who's just brilliant, um, uh, she does a really good job of breaking it down, especially for people who don't have a background in genetics. She can explain exactly why what, what their geneticists said just absolutely uh, either 20-year-old stuff that, that geneticists know is not true, or and she, so she does a great job of that. So by all means, go and check those out and, and see for yourself how we res- responded to um, the, the, the claims and, and allegations and the perspective of the producers of the video. And we'll try to get everything linked in the show notes for this episode so that you don't have to hunt that hard. There you go. Um, there you go. So, okay, I can send those too. I I actually have links to your guys' articles because okay, it's one of the Fantastic. first things I read. Anyway, um, moving on. So you said you had a, a story that was similar, but it was happening to a colleague of yours. Yeah, um, I don't know if if have you have you watched any of this? What the search for legendary giant? What what's I don't even know what the name of the show is at this point, but it's on the History uh-huh. Channel, and it's um, the Jim and Bill Vieira, these brothers who apparently are traipsing around the country looking for evidence of, again, the Smithsonian and and other archaeologists have conspired to keep the truth from the public that that in American America's past is populated by giants who are 10, 20 feet tall, and that they're responsible for building the mounds. Um, it's this incredibly bizarre thing. It's, what they do is they, they basically, uh, and Jim Vieira is a guy who had a, uh, one of these TEDx talks you know, we all sort of the TED Talks. Well, TEDx, apparent, TED, that organization apparently had a policy where even if it, you weren't a famous person and even if you weren't a person that had a lot of, of support from, you know, in, uh, academic support or whatever, you, you could do a TED Talk. Uh, but it was called right, 10X. Right, right. And Vieira did one and I watched it. And it was just kind of, it was mind blowing. And I'm, I can't even, I can't even describe what he's talking about. But one of the themes of his work is that well, he's gone through a bunch of 19th century newspaper articles, taken them literally. Um, and clearly he has never, I don't think he's ever seen a human skeleton. He certainly hasn't excavated a human skeleton. And based on these 19th century descriptions of large bones, he has decided that the Smithsonian knows about this. There's been this this long time term, long running conspiracy to hide the truth. And maybe at some point we can do a whole podcast about that show. But anyway, right. what they what they what they did up in Massachusetts is and for anybody listening to this who says, "Man, Fader's not making any sense. I don't understand how these things are connected." Trust me on this one. I'm not the one not making sense. It just really doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. Part of their their hunt for giants, they they the Vieira brothers have found, or it's not they haven't found it. Historically well known, a um, 
the Stone Chamber in Goshen, Massachusetts. And it's very well made. Um, there are some tunnels and it is a little bit mysterious. We don't know exactly who built it, when it was built or why it was built. Somehow or another, this show has decided that this stone chamber has something to do with giants. Now, what the, now, the stone chamber, the tunnel that we have to go uh, walk through to get to the stone chamber is two feet tall. So these are very short giants, apparently, who had to go into the chamber. In any event, um, I'm I'm. I'm actually reading Jason Calavino's blog about the show, and I see two names of guys I know. And these are real deal archaeologists. Guys, these are people who do great work. Um, Eric Johnson, who's a lecturer at UMass Amherst, and I've known Eric forever. And Steve Mrazowski, who's at the University of Massachusetts in Boston. And again, I mean, Rosowski's brilliant. I mean, just spectacular. Does mostly historical sites archaeology. Really a good guy and smart. Somehow or another, Rosowski and um, and and Eric Johnson are, were on this show talking about this particular feature, the the stone feature. Right. And if you looked at the show, it sounded like, okay, we have two professional archaeologists who are confirming there's something extremely mysterious going on here. Now, Mrazowski has been so incensed at how his stuff was edited and shaped by the in the video, he's actually, and I'll send you this link, Sarah, he's actually commented on his blog, he's at UMass Boston, and I guess it's the Fisk Center, which does yeah. their archaeology center. So he's on their blog, he has a couple of detailed deconstructions of how he feels used and abused by these guys. Again, in the editing, he says, listen, they never said anything about giants. They never said anything about uh, about um, biblical stories. This was all about, hey guys, we're doing a video. We've got this really interesting site. You're an archaeologist. Come and tell us what you think about it. And and Steve has said, you know, he he gave them a lot of details about what he thought might be going on in the site, but none of that was there. Essentially, especially Mrazowski's name was used because he's a well-known, highly respected professional archaeologist, and the fact that yeah, he knew nothing about about the the connection to giants is kind of telling, and he's he sounds pretty pissed off. And I'll send you that link. But that, that's an that's an and in fact, Brad Lepper on his blog has talked about this as here's another example of an archaeologist thinking, well, you know, it's good to be involved in these kind of public outreach ways. And if and if somebody producing a video wants us to be on this and we can talk about archaeology, that's a good thing. But man, you got to be really careful because. What they're looking for is your name, and it says PhD after it. And if you say anything like, well, it's really interesting, man, they, they grab that. They take that out of context. They don't provide the rest of the sentence. We, it's really interesting, but I think it dates to probably only about 100 years ago, and it probably is some mundane thing. That's all blipped out. That's all cut out. And the only thing they've got there is you looking at this site going, Wow, this is really interesting. And the Goshen Tunnel, the Goshen Chamber and Tunnel. Yeah, it is really interesting. That doesn't mean it has anything to do with giants. And uh, that, that's one of the things that happens is with in the case of the lost civilizations. If they had come to us and said, listen, we are doing this video and our perspective is diffusion. Our perspective is that people from the Middle East came here. At least we would have been aware of what we were setting ourselves up for. Right. But, and I think that, 
but they're deceptive I'm... on purpose because they don't want you a I, this is my opinion and i think it's right because it's right. my opinion right, um, but i i think they purposefully come to you guys deceptive because they know you won't help them if you know what they're looking for and right. they also know that if they can get you to say just the right thing at just the right time they can edit it and make it sound like you're supporting them. I mean, I watched, uh, I've watched Scott Walter do this on his show a couple Sorry. times, American Unearthed. Uh, he, he interviews, uh, I think it's the second episode, actually. Mm-hmm. He's got the state archaeologist for, um, I believe it's Arizona. And, I mean, I can tell that this guy doesn't believe a damn thing Walter's trying to sell him. But right. the way that they cut it, it's very unsympathetic to him because it makes him look like at points that he is actually green Walter even though you tell he doesn't mean it. And so I'm like, this is just some very creative editing. And unfortunately, this guy, who is a state archaeologist, so he probably had to be there because they were on an actual archaeological site, a known site. Mm -hmm. And Walter wanted to do all this crazy crap. And he finally ends up bringing in a, a, a magnetometer. Mm -hmm. Or a ground penetrating radar. And that's the only thing they'll let him do because you don't have to disturb the ground to use it. Right, right. And the whole episode, Scott's trying to convince the state archaeologist, they just let him dig. Just let me dig. Just, you know, I can can dig this in a couple days. Or there's already been people up here disturbing it. Why can't we just dig up what they've already dug? And and it's just, it's one of those situations, you know, they're just waiting for the right thing so that they can twist it. And you know, of course, you know, you know for sh- for a fact that when we, as as stewards of these sites, as people who are charged with the task of protecting these sites, when we tell Scott Walter, you know what? No, you don't have the training, you do not have the skills, you don't have the credentials to dig this site. That's interpreted as you see they've got something to hide and that's exactly how he interprets it on the show i mean you can you can tell just by the way he's looking at this guy with contempt and and there's i forget what it is but there's some point where he's basically going oh oh let me dig let me dig and the guy goes no you can't dig we have to do the paperwork in order he's like if you can fund the if you can fund the dig and you file the paperwork and it goes through properly you can come out here and dig and walter's like oh Really? Like, he totally didn't even believe it. And it's <laughs> well, like, no, is... we're just making this up, you know, because we just want to give you, just you, a really hard time. The rest Listen, of us what... are just out here with shovels and screens waiting for any moment to pass so that we can run out here and start screening dirt. Hey, listen, I've got a, I have a PhD in anthropology. I've been doing archaeology for more than 30 years, worked all over the state. Uh, coming up next summer, I'm going back to a site I've excavated for two years in order for, to, and it's on state property. I have to file a bunch of paperwork. I have to tell them exactly where I'm going, what I'm going to do, what's going to happen to the artifacts. I have to, I have to submit my credentials because the state has rules and regulations. It's, I mean, it's no different than a state or the, the, the government saying, you know, we need rules and regulations before somebody can conduct surgery, right? It's not because right. we're it's not because we're bad people or we're trying to hide something or, or trying to monopolize something. It's just that we do realize that you need some level of expertise to do this stuff. Federal government has various regulations for who's allowed to excavate on federal property. And it's not just credentials. You have to explain why you need to dig, what's the purpose of this dig, the disposition of the artifacts. You have to agree in advance to a a timely report. So it's not, you know, when they tell Scott Walter, no, you can't dig, that's what they would tell anybody. 
including me, until I filled out the proper um, application to allow me access to that property to do excavation. It, that's what every one of us has to go through that. Yeah, it's it's a way to protect the, I mean, these are basically natural resources. It's a way to protect them. It's a way to make sure that they're done correctly. And it's also a way that if anything were to happen, there's someone to trace it back to. It's creating a chain of custody. And that's very important. And that's something that I don't think people like Walter and the other people who have these shows, I don't think they understand that we need I mean, yeah, the paper trail is tedious and it's monotonous and it's a pain in the ass and nobody really wants to do it, but it has to be done and it has to be done to protect the artifacts and to protect the site itself and to protect the history of the people who that site represents. Any prehistoric site that's being dug on American soil is by default, a Native American site. Right. And a lot of times these people are gone. We can't re we can't go to a living person and say, hey, tell us about this site. I mean, they may have a living descendant or the tribe itself may still exist, but that doesn't mean there's anybody alive who can come down there and say, oh yeah, that's where that's where the, the kiln was and over there is right. where we would do whatever. There's nobody alive like that. So all we have is this footprint that's left in the dirt. And we have to be really careful. Yeah, it's, it, we, you know, we, we call it a non-renewable resource. Yeah. It's, it's a, nobody's making 10,000-year-old sites anymore. Nobody's making ancient pottery kilns anymore. Those, there are a finite number of those. And when we bulldoze or excavate the last of them, there are there are no more. No more left for us to learn from. So right. we need a, a really good reason for excavating a particular site. And just to satisfy your curiosity because of some, some weird question you have for a cable show, that really generally is not sufficient reason to excavate a site. But, no, and, Sarah, they, and they take it as a personal attack on themselves. They're like, oh, well, you just don't want me out here because somehow my specialness is going to discover the one thing that everyone else has missed and therefore, you know, aliens or giants or whatever. But that actually fits perfectly with their 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 mindset and their, the scenario that they're laying out. Of course, we're going to deny them access to that site because we know if they dig it up that we will be exposed, right? You know, the, they'll they'll know that we've been lying to them all along. The question I think a lot of people sh you should ask when these things are going on are being said is that why on earth would we hide these? Exactly. Why, why would we care? Tomorrow, if somebody could prove that they were 10 foot tall giants roaming in Ohio a thousand years ago, well, that, does that end my world? Do I, uh, that would be really interesting. Um, I, and the uh, other thing that you need to ask, and I've had a really, I've had some very interesting responses when I ask this is, okay, let's pretend for five minutes that there really were 10 foot tall giants roaming around in Ohio. What does that change? What changes if that were true? You know, it does, is reality suddenly going to morph around us and form into a new reality? Because it's not going to change anything that has occurred between the point that those giants apparently went extinct and today. It doesn't change anything. So it's like, why would we hide that? That would be actually pretty. Yeah. And what does it change, even if it were true? Digging in a trench, monuments. 
going to the pub when the We hope you're enjoying this episode. Please be sure to check out the show notes at www.archiefantasies.com for further information about our hosts, guests, and topics in this episode. This podcast is listener-supported, and we appreciate every donation, either in the time it takes you to rate and share this episode, or monetarily on Patreon and Ko-fi. You can connect with us on the blog, by email, or on Twitter. Thanks to all of our supporters. And let's get back to the show. Dinosaurs, raise your trials as one will call. No, we don't do dinosaurs. You know, there are fringes, and then there are fringes of the fringe. That's so true. There, there is there's a fringe of the fringe of the giant thing that essentially says those giants, in fact, relate to the Nephilim of the Bible. Oh, so yeah. So that they're, they're not even just really tall guys. They're not just guys who, wow, would be really good in basketball. They are perhaps the the hybrid. It's a hybrid species of when the angels came down to Earth and mated with human women. Right. Uh, and then they got evil. Uh, and it's the, 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 the stories are so Byzantine. It's such an incredible you know, morass of bizarre claims. So I guess for the fringe of the fringe, yeah, it changes everything, but it, it proves these, these, these spirit being giants and they mated with women. And, you know, you, you kind of want these people to go into therapy or something. <laughs> it's like, we got, we got aliens probing people up the butt and you got angels, you know, mating with, uh, with human women. It's, it's, there's there's a, there's a lot of sexual undercurrents to some of these things that I think maybe would be better better left not spoken about. <laughs> that is a reoccurring theme in a lot of this stuff. So and so came here so that they could have sex with so and so. Whatever. <laughs> hey, listen, I've got I've got a really cute short story. We're, we're talking about how these video people, how these videographers, how these 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 cable channels and and. Uh, produ- and producers, pr- uh, video producers, how they can manipulate things. I actually had a conversation, several conversations with a producer, and thankfully they were very honest with me. Um, the producer of which show now? The, the, this, well, wait, see, I, I, that's the, the um, it's, it was a show about the lost continent of Atlantis, but I don't want to tell you what the show is until the end because it kind of is this wonderful punchline okay. to the story. All uh, right. These guys, ca- they called me and they said, they, yeah, they want an archaeologist and you want to show about Atlantis. Um, they do what they always do. They say, oh, we've read your book. Clearly they hadn't. Um, and I said, yes, I've done some some interviews about Atlantis. I'd be happy to, to participate. And we're, we're getting down to the details where they say, oh, okay, we're going to fly you to our location and on and on and on. Um, we'll, we'll pay your expenses. And then they said, oh, one more thing. Um, we will need you when we interview you to say that Atlantis was real. And I said, oh, wait, time out, time out. Wow, they straight up told you that. You've read my book. Uh, you know that I, I, I'm ex- not just skeptical. I know Atlantis didn't exist. I know it's a story that Plato made up, and I have a, a detailed co- discussion about that in one of the chapters of my you know, book, Frauds, Myths, and Mysteries. That was a, a, a little commercial <laughs> for the book. So so they said, well, <laughs> well but no, but what, what we need is for you to say that it is. I said, wait a minute, is this a drama, or a, and you're giving me lines, or is this, oh, no, no, this is a documentary. I said, well, no, in documentaries, you understand you ask somebody their opinion they share that opinion and you either present it or you don't but they're allowed to share their opinion and they said well no but we we will need you to say it's real i said well no i'm not interested and they said well can we call you back i said sure they called me back a little while later and the guy says well i've I've spoken to my my um 
executive producer and he he needs an archaeologist. Can you please tell me why you don't think Atlantis was real? So I gave him this is after they told me they read my book. They they would not have done well on the midterm, let me tell you. So so they they I gave him like, you know, the ten the, the five minute, ten cent version of what Plato was trying to do, what the dialogues are all about. The fact that there is absolutely no physical evidence for the lost continent, and on and on and on. Uh, and then I, what I, what I, uh, the the metaphor that I used is: look, the Atlantis story is about a great, all-powerful but evil empire trying to control and dominate its entire universe. The only thing standing in their way is a small group of people living a righteous and pure life. And while the, the, the evil empire is economically wealthy and technologically advanced and militarily powerful, and this little tiny group of people standing in the way of their dominating their, their world, uh, they, don't, they don't have a lot of money and they don't have a tremendous army and they don't have um, great technology, but what they have on their side is, is righteousness. And they're able to defeat this large enemy. And I said, essentially, the Atlantis story is Star Wars. And Atlant <laughs> Atlantis is the evil empire and it's ancient Athens in this story told by Critias, who was the, the, the main character in the dialogue about this. The, the force was with them because they were living <laughs> the perfect life. And the, the, the producer said, oh, we love that. We love that. So, so could you tell that story, but still be, say Atlantis was real? I said, no. I said, let me get back to you. They get back to me and they say, all right, we really want you on the show. We love that story. But what we're going to need is when we ask you questions, you, you don't have to say it was real, but you have to sit on the fence. You have to say you don't know. And I said, you guys aren't listening to me very, very closely. I know it's not real. I, I know it's not real. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to, going to completely go against everything that I believe based on my analysis and my research. They said, ah, well, can we get back to you? I said, sure. Honest <laughs> to God. They called me back and said, all right, you know what, Fader? We want you. We want you to tell your story. You can say whatever you want. And here's the deal. They actually said this out loud. You can say it's not real, but we'll edit it in a way that it makes it sound like you believe it's real. They what? actually said that to me. Why and would I said, they? Well, I mean, I, at least they're being honest. And, and you know what they said? They said, was, listen, this way you can have deniability. When all your, your, your students and your colleagues yell at you, you can say, Damn it, that's not what I said. They, I, I, so I, at that point I said, listen, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Please, stop, please stop calling me. And then I asked them an interesting question. This gets back to what the, what the, the video was, which actually was on TV. I said, why, you know, good God, if you're doing a documentary, why are you not just interviewing people and sharing with the audience what their actual opinions are? And the guy said, well, we need an archaeologist to say it's real. And I said, why? And that's when he said, well, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but the video, we are an independent production company. We have been hired by ABC. I said, yeah, so? And then he right. said, well, do you know who owns ABC? I said, yeah, Disney does. And he then said, have you been to a movie theater recently? I said, yeah. He said, do you have kids? I said, yeah. He says, have you noticed that there is a Disney movie and you've seen the trailer for it called Atlantis, the Lost Empire? And I said, ah. oh my God. And what they said to me was that Disney hired them to produce a documentary with scientists about Atlantis as an, a 90-minute long-form commercial for the Disney cartoon. Now, I said, well, that's really an interesting story. Never call me again. But when, they, when it was on, it was 90 minutes. It was on ABC. And it 
was it was an abomination. But the funny <laughs> thing about it, it was actually they had snippets of the movie, the cartoon, pure entertainment. And the movie was fine, interspersed with interviews with what people who were presented as scientists and historians who then said, well, yeah, I mean, that, the, the, what, what's being shown in this movie could actually have happened. And it's like, oh, my God. And what was really cool was that all of the, um, the kind of the art design and set design, the backgrounds, all of that stu- stuff looked like this combination kind of Maya, Aztec and Inca architecture. Right. And that was done intentionally to make it sound like, oh, my God, the stuff that you can really see in an archaeology book, that that all came from Atlantis. And um, all of the usual suspects were on the show. All of the people, the, the, there's a, a couple, the Flamaths, who have written a number of books talking about Atlantis really existing. But now you can't find it because it's under the, pole, the South Pole ice cap. And a bunch of other kind of really fringe thinkers, they were the ones who they got to go on the show and actually say, oh, yeah, that's, that's absolutely real. Um, I'm not sure they, they convinced – they certainly didn't convince me to be a, a participant. <laughs> but that was the deal. I mean that was – I have to thank them. These guys were absolutely honest. They flat out told me that they would edit it so that it, what I said was exactly the opposite of what turned out on the, in, in the video. Well, um, the joke's so, on them because that movie bombed as far as a movie's concerned. Yeah, right. There was, I don't even think they can sell music. it on disc anymore. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I thought it was, I liked the look of it. It was very silly, but to kind of, how cynical is that for a large corporation to say, listen, we've made this movie for kids, but the parents have to want to go with the kids obviously to see the movie so let's let's make a fake documentary about atlantis to convince people that maybe what's shown in this cartoon could at least in a very general sense have some basis in reality that's i just think it's interesting crazy. That they, i just think it's interesting that they thought they could just approach someone and ha- and say i need you to say this it's like i know i am an actual scientist i don't do that it's it's funny because like I actually got approached for a television show, which just blew my mind, and it was kind of the same sort of a situation. Like, uh, you know, the American Digger show and all of those oh, right. the pot hunting shows—they're all real big oh. right now. Apparently, this company wanted to create a show that had to do with um, privy diggers and and people okay. who go and dig up outhouses and old privies right. and such. Okay. And they wanted me to be the the resident archaeologist on the show. And I was like, no, I can't do that. That would be saying that I'm okay with this and I'm not. Right. And she's like, well, why aren't you okay with it? And I'm like, well, you know, on top of it being basically looting, I mean, you're, you're going to eventually run into human remains and there's going to be, you know, stuff that you're your end game here is to sell these things and I'm not okay with the selling of history even if it is the 259,000th button we've ever found it's still a historical button I'm not okay with this and she's like well why would we run into human remains and I said because it's a privy and she's like I don't understand and I said well that's where people throw trash and back in the day they would throw everything in the privy and you know sometimes there were unwanted things that went into said privy and she's and she was just like blew her mind and i said and i can't be a part of a show that could potentially be having human remains and especially human fetal remains just up on television for everyone to see i'm not okay with that what's kind of tragic is that here she is doing this show and she's done no research no right because she would have known this 
I don't think she was the producer. I think she was right. just the person who was out contacting people. Right. But like, right. it just completely blew her mind that these things could possibly even be in a privy, and then that I wouldn't want to be part of it. And she tried to like, she was very nice. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that she wasn't, but she kept trying to find all these different ways to, right. you know, couch it so that I would say, okay, I'll be on your show. And I was just like, no, I, I just, I can't do that. I said, and. The other thing I told her, I said, you do realize that a show like this, if I were on it and it was done poorly, this would be career suicide oh, for me. Absolutely. Oh, no, and she's like, be... and she's like, no, I don't, I don't think it would be at all. I mean, you'd be on television and everyone would know you were an authority. And I said, <laughs> I'm not a doctor. I don't have my PhD. So I'm really not qualified to be talking about things at this level. Right. So first off, I would be being arrogant. And secondly, I cannot be associated with looters. I just, I can't. I said, I'm sure they're very nice men, but they are still looting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, here's the deal, Sarah, that actually your experience is very common. And I've talked to a number of other people who, when we bring up these moral and ethical dilemmas, this is why we cannot participate in this. This is why we think what you're doing is wrong. It's not even that people have tried to argue the point. It's they don't even get the point in the first place. Yeah, they don't even well, understand the why it's wrong. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 like we're completely talking at cross purposes here. They're just, but this is entertaining. People will want to see it. I go, well, people might actually turn on to a show if you did public executions. That doesn't mean public executions are legitimate just because – and we come back, come back to what we started with. Just because you probably could sell a lot of laundry detergent on that right. show doesn't make doesn't it right. True. And and you know, it's those are folks who, uh, and on an optis, on an optimistic note, maybe those are people who are who can be educated concerning why these are issues, why we don't want to see the past destroyed for entertainment purposes, why we would love it if they would focus on real deal archaeology so people can understand what the, 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 the human past of North America, what it really shows. And it's mind-boggling and, totally, and cool. I totally tried to sell her on that. Like, I, I, I tried to explain it to her. I only had an hour on a Skype call. And I tried to explain the ethical and, and moral problems here, not to mention, like, the legal problems they were going to encounter. Right. I said, and, you know, I would totally be okay if you wanted to bring in a team of archaeologists and, and we would excavate the privy and they your two gentlemen could be part of that excavation not everyone on a on an excavation has to have oh, right. a degree sure. i was like and it would be great because then we would be including the public and it would be it would be done correctly the paperwork would be filed and anything that came out of there could be then used to further the archaeological record and she's like oh yeah, I'll bring that up. And like, oh. <laughs> Good luck with that, right? Yeah, I, well, I knew it was a shot in the dark, but I was like, I have to try. I have to try. But yeah, it's it's never gone anywhere. They've never called me back. And I haven't seen it come on the internet either. So I'm, I'm guessing it probably didn't get greenlit. But still, right, it's... Right. The fact that that kind of thing even I like I I was waiting for the trap to sprung the whole time, but it, she wasn't even trying to be. She just didn't really know. That's exactly right. I mean, that's what, exactly why you know the experience I had with these guys who were more than willing to tell me that okay, we'll say what you want. Well, let's find. We'll edit. It was all the end game here was to get something on TV that would draw an a big audience. Right. And that how you got there, well, why is that even relevant? Why do you care? Don't worry about it. It's it's and you know, it's it's an amazing thing to talk to an academic, a researcher, an archaeologist, somebody who clearly is committed to to 
to exposing and illuminating the past to say, well, don't worry about all that. You'll get to be on TV. I said, you know, I've been on TV. It's not not that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I want to point out to anybody who thinks, oh, well, you archaeologists, when you go on TV, they pay you a lot of money. They don't pay you. I tell you what. I did a thing for National Geographic. What I got for National Geographic, I got a T-shirt and a hat. <laughs> that's that's usually – and that's a lot. I mean they pay expenses. If they want to fly me someplace, that's fine. But nobody nobody writes me any big checks because I'm, I'm on TV, and that's not what I'm looking for. If I can contribute to a, a documentary that's telling something – interesting about the human past and, and, and uh, you know presents it in a legitimate way I've, I'm I'm happy to participate um, and I'm not I'm not looking to to, to uh, make a ton of money because it's not there yeah there's the, you don't do archaeology because you're gonna get rich you do archaeology you're either obsessed with it or you're in love with it one or the other exactly so all right so we're coming up on an hour is there any final thoughts that you want to share with us about television and pseudo-archaeology? Uh, you know, I think the bottom line here, Sarah, is that television, TV, cable, provides an enormous potential. There's a great potential there for folks who are interested in, you know, the the real past, the story as exposed by archaeology. And the deal is that real deal, that real archaeology is infinitely more interesting, I think, than the kind of crap that that uh, that's the standard fare about the human past, about archaeology today. And so there's great potential, but it's it's our job. It's jobs of archaeologists and people who support archaeology and are interested in it to, to, to educate the people making these TV shows that, you know, there should be space, there should be room in between America on Earth and the search for legendary giants and lost, lost civilizations of North America and ancient aliens and the search for ancient There should be enough room in that, that huge field there for a show or two, which is, look at this, we have a city uh, just a few miles outside of St. Louis, and it's 700 years old, and it's Native American. We have amazing artwork secreted in deep in canyons in the in in um, in Utah and in New Mexico and Arizona, and we have a huge effigy of a snake uh, in in Southern Ohio. That that stuff is so interesting. We should have shows about that. And, and you know, interview real archaeologists and you know and there are there are plenty of mysteries out there, really interesting things that archaeolo- that real archaeologists are are attempting to to solve. And uh, you know, if we can get a couple of shows like that on TV, I think we'd be doing a lot better than we're doing now. I still think we need to have a archaeolo- a CRM archaeology reality television show where <laughs> it's like go. Big Brother. And they just put everybody in the same house. And so they take us out in the field and work us for 10 hours and then bring us home to the same house and watch us all just slowly destroy each other. And then you'll be like, there's (laughs) – and Chris wants to host that show. So I I would be on it. You do know, know, Sarah, that the only problem with that, that would have to be on one of the – like HBO or something because the language would be (laughs) inappropriate. Oh, man. You know that, right? The language would be totally inappropriate for – children or sensitive people or practically for anybody except for anyone. yeah yeah we are we are known for our colorful language i i learned how to swear in danish this last season well so. there you go there you right? go excellent so 
I'm very excited about that. Well, Ken, thank you very much for another show. We will probably come back and revisit this topic over and over again for as sure. we go. Because there's just there's so much to touch on. It's a great um, topic, Sarah, and uh, look forward to from a single stone, the extent of a whole complex, and then publishing it. If you'd like to support the podcast, consider donating to us on Patreon or Kofi. Either option helps us out. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on the blog, www.archyfantasies.com, and like and share us wherever you can. You can follow us on Twitter at ArchieFantasies, or you can reach us by email at ArchieFantasies at gmail.com. That's A-R-C-H-Y fantasies at gmail.com. Theme music was provided by Archeosuit Productions. This episode was produced and edited by Sarah Head. No, we don't do dinosaurs. We don't do dinosaurs. See? Are you happy? Do you get it now? Do you get it? Honestly.